Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Fellowship of Champions Midweek Service Refresh Bible Study. Thank you guys so much for joining us. You will go ahead and like the broadcast, tag a friend and share it. We'll be so grateful for that. See, some of you guys are already doing that uh, as you guys are coming in. Appreciate it so much. You guys will just go ahead and get that done. It is Wednesday. It is partnership lesson number six, church discipline. Uh, we weren't here last week, but we will pick up what we left off. Yeah, we will pick up what we left off. What's up, Pastor Edwin? What's up, Courtney? Hey, Chandra, Bianca, Erica, Joshua. Good evening. I see you guys in here. What's up, Michael? Trinika? Welcome, welcome, welcome. So I'm going to try to utilize my whole hour tonight. So you guys saw the intro. You can catch services almost every day of the week. Monday, you have Monday Mindset at noon. Tuesday, you have prayer at 8. Wednesday, you have midweek Bible study. Uh, Thursday, you have Ignite uh, at seven, and then you can access Victory Zone on demand whenever you desire so. And what I will tell you about Victory Zone is this, because I look at the uh, statistics. Parents, make sure you're getting your kids involved uh, with Victory Zone, especially this series over emotions. It's going to tie into actually what we're going to talk about tonight with church discipline. So make sure that you're getting your kids plugged in. I think this last video uh, had only had a couple different views because uh, it shows me the analytics on YouTube. Make sure you're getting your young kids plugged in so that they can get the word and know how to overcome emotions by accessing the Holy Spirit. All right. Then on Friday, we have Circle of Champions prayer, Champion Circle Prayer at 6.30 a.m. So go ahead and set your alarms for that. Uh, then on Saturday uh, is the only day right now that we don't have a service going. But you can always pray, study the word on your own. And then on Sunday... We are back here for uh, Christian Valley Worships at 930 with Pastor Chris and Elder Valley. And then we're going to uh, go to Sunday service at 10 a.m. with Pastor Edward and Pastor Sean. All right. You guys know there's multiple ways to give. You guys also know that if you want to become a partner, visit our website at focchurch.com. All right, so I got that out of the way, and I know I did that kind of quickly, but like I said, you had a three-minute video showing you all that. We're going to get into the Word tonight because Church Discipline uh, has several pages of notes in our partnership lesson, all right? And so I want to be able to thoroughly go through that with you, uh, and I'll do my best to monitor the chat as we go to see if there are any questions, all right? What's up, Miss? Jackson, how are you? All right. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for watching over us and keeping us. We thank you that you're a loving father, that you're a forgiving father, that you're a graceful father. We thank you that you hold all power in your hand and that you have given us that power to dwell on the inside of us in the form of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that every day that we live, we purpose in our heart to fulfill your will. We purpose in our heart to chase after you with all that we all that we are. We declare that our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect, 
they all align with you, Father, and because we're in alignment with you, because we agree with you, then we're able to accelerate to the place that you'll have us be. Thank you, God, that we see the land that you've called us to. Thank you that we hear your voice and we speak to those in the earth that you've called us to speak to. I thank you, God, that because of us, people are being added to the kingdom every single day because they know how great the God is. This is the year of household salvation, Father, and we thank you that souls are being added. We thank you that our family members are saved, our co-workers are saved. Those strangers we encounter in Walmart or at the park, God, we thank you that you will see their need to know the Savior, and we'll 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 do it exactly what the Bible Bible says, which is to teach them of you. You said to teach them of you, Father, so they may learn of you, so they may believe in you, so that they may obey you. So, Father, we thank you that tonight that we do that in the earth and that the kingdom is growing because we are growing just to be just like our daddy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So tonight, the partnership lesson is uh, entitled Church Discipline. We're on lesson number six. Uh, church dis discipline. Our last lesson was talked about church authority. And if you remember, we went through how the authority in the church is ordained by God. God sets authority in place. Uh, and I don't have time tonight to go back through all that. You can go listen to that. But God establishes authority. And when he establishes that authority, uh, then we are the ones that follow after that authority. And for this house, Fellowship of Champions, or for the church that you attend, your local pastor's authority there. And our job is to follow after the man and woman of God, the man that got a woman of God that God has put into that position as they follow God. We don't blindly follow people wherever they go, regardless of what they do. All right. We follow them as they follow God. And so tonight, as we talk about church discipline, uh, it's a perfect segue from the last lesson. So here's, a, let me do an introduction kind of, all right? It says, whenever there's a body of people, there must be order. There must also be rules of ethics, for there's no need to establish laws to govern interpersonal relationships for those who abide alone. In other words, if there's a group of people, you got to have some rules, you got to have some regulations, you got to have some protocols. Uh, since COVID, we've probably been doing a lot of Zooms. And so you got your, you got your norms, uh, you got your, uh, your, your group norms and how you operate within that. Why? Because anytime you're dealing with multiple people, there needs to be boundaries and rules in order for their think in order for there to be harmony. You, when you live by yourself, when you do things by yourself, most likely you don't, you don't establish rules. It's your area, right? But when we have multiple people, we need laws. Why? Because law and order is necessary to preserve order. It's necessary to preserve happiness and good relations between people. And when laws are established, what we have to realize is that there needs to be submission to those laws for harmony to, to be maintained. You may say, what's harmony? That word harmony, I'm not a singer. You don't want me singing. Uh, that's not what you want in your life, all right? We got a lot of people that can sing well. That ain't me, right? But if you have ever heard people who sing well, you heard harmony, you heard all the parts coming together perfectly to produce this sound that we call harmony. That word harmony means agreement, or it means forming a pleasing and consistent 
whole. So when we operate in harmony to the laws that God has called us to operate in, when we operate, when we agree and we submit our will to the laws of the land, what it's supposed to do, it produces harmony where there's consistent forming and pleasure to everybody that's involved. But if there is not harmony, then there's going to be chaos because those people are going to create issues because they don't want to abide by the law, right? If you've ever been driving on the interstate, if the speed limit says go 75, then and everybody's in harmony and rolling 75, then we all good. But it's the issue when somebody wants to go 40 that causes I'm going to use the word disharmony. Uh, it causes disruption in the harmony. Why? Because they're not abiding by the posted laws, the posted rules and regulations, right? Same way if you go too fast, it, it, it throws things out of harmony. It says if the laws are violated, then discipline must follow. Most of the time, people don't get tickets for going through too slow, but you do get tickets for going too fast. Uh, I got a brother uh, who will remain nameless who likes to speed uh, when he drives, right? And so he's gotten a few tickets for that. Why? Because when you don't follow the law, then discipline must occur. And tonight we're going to really delve into talking about what's the difference in discipline and punishment. Because as I as I prepare for this lesson, I realize that a lot of us carry around hurt from the church. Because you might experience punishment. Uh, you don't understand that correction is not punishment, that discipline is not bad. Uh, because, but the way that you was raised, you may have only ever been punished. And you don't understand that discipline is designed to grow you up, discipline is designed to drive out foolishness. Discipline is designed for you to become an independent thinker who has the ability to make right decisions when nobody else is around them. But if all you ever experienced in your life was, was punishment, then you never were forced to begin to uh, make good decisions on your own. Everything that you did, you did out of fear of being getting a whooping. You did out of fear of being shamed. You did out of fear of something occurring. And because you only responded out of fear, you never learned to correct your behavior. You never learned how to think for yourself. You never learned the actual actions that you were doing that were wrong and replaced those poor actions with good habits. You never learned that. And so, and even as a parent, as I was going through this church discipline lesson, even as a parent, I realized that there are times I'm punishing my kids when I should be disciplining my kids. And so tonight we're going to talk about the two because in, in the church, and FOC, we believe in discipline, not punishment. Now, if you have discipline that goes and goes and goes, then it eventually probably becomes punishment because none of the other things uh, before that uh, help. And so let me keep going so that we can talk about that. But that's what we're going to dive into tonight, right? So Romans 13 verses 1 and 2 says this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebel, rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. 
and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So we established that to, that the man and woman of this house is Pastor Edwin and Pastor Shun. They are the anointed bodies in which God has established to lead this ministry. And if you are not a partner at FOC, what I mean, or if you are a partner at FOC, but you also have a church home, then the man or woman of God that God has established at your house, your church or your ecclesia, they are the authorities. All right. And it says they exist, their existence has been established by God. So there's nothing for me to argue about. So Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean are in their place, but they're there because God wants them there. That's done. It's settled. Doesn't matter how I feel about it. I don't got to feel a certain way about it. I just got to know that that's what's been established, right? And see, a lot of times we always want to bring our emotions into things when at the end of the day, your emotions really don't matter. When God has established a thing, you just come into alignment with it, right? So Laws should not just be obeyed externally. And so what we'll talk, what you're going to realize is this, is that when God established things, he didn't just establish those things for us to outwardly obey those, but he said that we need to obey those things in our in our intrinsically, right? Because we got to have a good conscience. So sometimes your only your only reason for obedience is because you don't want to be called out. Your only reason that you ain't you ain't uh, smoked a joint. You ain't left the city. You ain't married. The, uh, you ain't did whatever. It's because you fear shame. You don't want punishment. You're not disciplined. You fear punishment. And fear of punishment is not enough to keep you. Because if nobody, because here's what the thing about fear of punishment is. If the only reason you not doing X is because you think you're going to be found out. The moment you you uh, consider a way that you won't be found out, you'll do X. Why? Because you never were disciplined. You just was afraid of punishment. And so what we got to understand is that as a church, we need to become disciplined because when we're disciplined, we do the right thing even when nobody else is looking. All right. So Romans 13 and 5 says this, therefore, one must be subject to civil authorities, not only to escape the punishment that comes with wrongdoing, but also as a matter of principle. So I should want to do what's right, not because of punishment, but because I know it's right before God. I know it's what pleases my father. So I'm not going to do wrong because Pastor Evan not going to say something. I'm not, not going to not do wrong because my wife may say something. I'm not going to not do wrong because society may judge me. I got, it got to come down to the point that I want to do what's right because I know it's pleasing to my father. Because when we begin to do what's right because it's pleasing to God, then there's not a need for a lot of church discipline because there's enough self-discipline and there's enough love for God that you do what's right. But because we have people uh, like who, who were like me when I was a kid that try things, you know, as a kid, I've tried it. Mama said, well, if you go out there and do this, then you're going to get a whooping. I'm like, OK, let me calculate this risk. Is the reward of being outside playing with my friends 
building a boat in the ditch and, and riding it down the ditch that was in front of my house? Is it worth that whooping? And so I calculated the risk and I said, yes. So I went outside and I did what I wanted to do. Then I came back in and took my whooping. And see, for a lot of us, God isn't physically whooping us like that. And so we're out here playing with sin. We're out here playing with things that we don't supposed to play with. And because we don't got a daddy, we don't got God physically whooping us, we think we're getting away with it. But here's the thing. Discipline. It says in the word, it says that you will not escape it. You're not going to be out there sowing those seeds and not harvesting something on its behalf. Why? Because the wages of sin is what? Death. And it may not be a quick death. It may not be something that happens overnight, right? But it's something that's eating away. There's always death in the presence of sin. All right? There's always death in the presence of sin. All right, let's keep going. All right. It says, therefore, there's a need for the I will. There's a need for the I will of every person to be submitted. All right. To be submitted to the supreme will of God. The will of God is expressed in the laws of God. The will of God is expressed in the word of God. The word shows his will as his law and his law as his will. And God's law is king. Go ahead and type that. Say God's law is king. God's law is king. What's the ruler of my life? It's his way. It's his word. It's his will. Why? Because that's what's law for my life. God's law is king. Because what, what you got to realize is that when I say I will, what I am really saying is I am taking my will is my faculty of mind. My will is the faculty of mind that selects a desire among the various desires present. So when I say I will, I'm saying in my mind, I'm purposing in my heart that I got all of these things present, but I am going to submit my will to the will of the Father. And that's what's required for us to walk in harmony. That's what was required for us to walk in discipline with God. We got to say that I will. What is I will? I am submitting myself. I am surrendering myself. I am ceasing to exist as Lord over my life so that God's law will reign in my life. It says our will is the mechanism responsible for choosing. So when I say I will, I am forcing the mechanism that's responsible for choosing the desired outcome to align with God. So I say, God, I will submit to you. I will accept you as Lord. I am forcing myself to, to choose Jesus over what I desire for myself. Because you got to understand, God made you a free moral agent. God made you with the ability to choose. And so with the ability to choose, I have every day a desire that's set before me. It's like what Daniel said. Daniel said, I purposed in my heart. And Daniel 8, 1, he said, I purposed in my heart not to eat that. So even in the midst of having all of these options, when the will of God is so important to you, when his laws are so important to you, what you say is, I will submit. I will submit, surrender. 
And how do you do that? You got a purpose in your heart. That's why God tells us to guard our heart. Why? Because out of it flows what the issues are like. So when I begin to guard my heart, what it does, it allows me to narrow those desires. I don't desire certain things because I don't let those things in my heart. The Bible also says that we're drawn away by the lust of our, what, our own flesh. So as I guard my heart, my mind, my as I tame my team, I tame my tongue, I tame my temperament, as I tame my thoughts, what I am doing in essence is reducing the desired outcomes I may want to choose. It's like taking a multiple choice test and reducing your, your multiple choice options from A through F to A and B. Because why? When I begin to guard my heart, it keeps all of these outside of influences from coming in to cause my decisions to be swayed in a way that's outside of God. Now, this ain't all in church discipline in the sense of our partnership class, but there's no way I could go through that. And we not talk about that. Right. And so what we got to understand that because of the sinfulness of man and the imperfection of believers, there's a need for divine discipline. There's a need for discipline in the church body because we don't discipline ourselves. Think about it. If Adam disciplined himself, there would never need, been a need for Jesus to come. But because Adam didn't discipline himself, then Jesus had to come. The Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. Why? Because it's God's ability dwelling on the inside of us to give us the ability to discipline us so that we don't have to be disciplined. But when people don't self-discipline, then the church needs to administer discipline. All right. So definition of the word discipline. The word discipline is found in the Bible only one time. Yet its definition is the basic foundation of the Bible teaching. In Job 36 and 10, it says, he opens also their ears to discipline, all right? That word discipline means correction. It means chastisement, all right? It's correction, and go ahead and type this. I need y'all to type this, type this. Correction is not punishment. Correction is not punishment. Correction is exactly that, correction. All right. So when and you get this in math class, right? If you're doing a math problem, I'm sitting down with my son and we're doing a math problem. And uh, and he says three plus uh, three times four is 12. Right. I mean, he's in the second grade, but me and him work on uh, we work on multiplication because multiplication addition goes hand in hand. So I'm like and he said three. I say three times four. What is it? Eight? He says 16. I said, hold up. Tell me what's three times four. And he's like, what does that mean, Aiden? He's like, that means it's three groups of four. Okay, Aiden, draw me three groups of four. He draws three sets of four, and he circles the four, and it's three big circles with four items on the inside. I said, count it out to me, son. He counts 12. I said, so what's three times four? He's like, 12. All right, good. Why? What did I just do? I disciplined him because discipline 
It's correction. Discipline is all about pointing you in the direction to find a solution needed for the problem that you're experiencing. But the problem that people have with being corrected is that you've been punished so much that you don't even know the difference. You don't know that discipline is designed to grow you up. You don't know that discipline is designed to drive out all the foolishness in your life. You don't know that discipline is there. Your pastors are there to help you see the blind spots in your life because all you knew is punishment. All right. But let's keep talking about what is discipline. Discipline is teaching and learning, right? Discipline is defined as training. Listen to this. Discipline is training that corrects, training that molds, training that perfects the mental faculties and morals of an individual. I'll say that one more time. Discipline is the training that corrects, molds, perfects the mental faculties and morals of an individual. All right. And so uh, I saw dad's comment and I, I need I need to deal with his comment. He says, right, because if you whoop him for saying three times four is 16, that would be punishment. Perfect example. Three times four. I taught him what it was. That was discipline. If I say, boy, what's three times four? And, and he say 16. And I said, no, it's 12. And then I said, boy, what's three times four tomorrow? And he say, uh, 16. And I said, no, boy, it's 12. And I said, boy, what's three times four? And he says, uh, 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 nine. And I, I said, boy, it's 12. Now whoop him. That, that's punishment. That's punishment. And, and how many times have you sat at the table? And, and I can't say I'm not guilty. All right. How many times have you sit at the table and, and you 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 told your kid the answer, but you didn't teach them how to think through the process to change the behavior, to change the mental faculty, to bridge the gaps in their under understanding, to get from the point where they thought three times four was 16, to undo that thinking and then build up the structures needed to understand why three times four is 12. See, that's the difference between punishment and discipline. Discipline strategically builds you up to tear down old thinking so that you don't want to behave in the way that's contrary to the desired outcomes that God has placed in our life. Discipline begins to build by brick by brick, process by process, step by step, the needed corrections so that you can align with the will of God. Now, does discipline all correction feel good? No, they don't always feel good, but it's what's needed for us to get to the place that God desires for us to be. All right, let me mosey on. So discipline is defined if unheeded, all right? Discipline leads to punishment, all right? This is a saying that I tell I tell Aiden, and it's a, it's a running joke in our house. I tell him, disobedience is painful. Disobedience is painful. So what happens when you refuse discipline, you're continually acting in disobedience, and disobedience is always going to bring you pain. Why? Because punishment brings pain. All right. So discipline is defined as a rule system or a rule or system of rules which governs conduct or activity. All right. So 
let let me bridge some things together for us right now. All right, because I really wanted to to uh, uh, draw a comparison between punishment and discipline. Here's what punishment is: punishment is easy, requires little time and effort long term. When you punish somebody, it's quick, right? When you punish somebody, it doesn't correct the behavior. It doesn't even inform them of the wrong thing that they did. And why am I going to go through? I'm going to go through these because I want y'all to understand that as the church administers discipline, it's designed to grow you up. But if you see discipline as punishment, then that's why you try to run away from it. Because naturally, People fear punishment. Naturally, punishment causes shame. Punishment causes all of the emotional issues. So nobody wants to be punished. Punished. But if you relate discipline to punishment, then you run away from discipline. Then you—that means you're unheeded and you're disobedient. And what do I tell Aiden? Aiden, disobedience is what painful. And that's why you experience getting slapped upside of your head by life. That's why things don't go your way because you you run away from discipline. You run away from correction. So what's punishment? All right, here's the purpose of punishment. The purpose of punishment is to control a person instead of teaching a person how to control themselves. The purpose of punishment is to control a person instead of teaching a person how to control themselves. So when I, and here's a perfect example, right? I, I, let's say I'm in the living room, we all on the couch uh, watching a movie, all right? I use my family for example. Let's say it's me, April, Aiden, Ava, Aiden, me, uh, Major, all on the couch. They are all these A names. And Major, all on the couch. Let's say Aiden pops Major and I pop major, Aiden forward. That's punishment. What did he learn? He performed a behavior. He hit major. Then in return, I hit him. It was quick. It was required a little effort. It didn't correct the behavior. And it informed and then informed him of what he did wrong. And then what it what happens though, I can hit Aiden enough times that he not he stops hitting major. Not because I have taught him how to respect people's personal space. Not that it, because I've taught him how to control his emotions. Not that I've taught him how to be exhibit self-control, but he fears the pain I'm going to give him more than the action of him hitting major. So I'm not going to hit major because I fear daddy. But what happens when daddy's not around? He's going to go back to doing that. Why? Because he never corrected the behavior. He was never disciplined, right? He was never disciplined. Uh, and so out of fear, he stopped doing a thing, but he never learned to control himself. And a lot of us as parents, if we're honest, we, we don't discipline our kids. A lot of times you're just punishing your kids. And then you wonder why your kids keep repeating the same issues. Number one, and I always say this, I'm going to always say this, they repeat the same issues because you as an adult are repeating some same issues and you're seeing in your kids what they, your kids see in you, okay? That's free. You can have it, all right? But 
What you got to understand is that when you operate, when you punish people, it diverts attention from why they got in trouble. So now Aiden not even concerned about what he got in trouble for him. His anger now, his emotional state has now been directed towards the person who's administering the punishment. And for a lot of y'all in church, you, you, you church hurt because you had a pastor that shamed you in front of the congregation. You church hurt because somebody in the church called you out and it hurt your feelings. You're, you're hurt by the church because you were punished and you were not disciplined. Now, here's the thing. You didn't quit dating. You didn't quit all the other things when that happened. So don't quit church now. But let's talk about the appropriate ways to discipline people because that's why you're afraid to let anybody talk to you because you're afraid that you're going to get punished again. But at FOC, we believe in discipline. We don't believe in punishment. Punishment is, a, is what's going to happen when you don't abide to discipline. All right. So Punishment teaches that I must be controlled by others and not control my own behavior. That's the other reason we don't teach punishment. Why? Because all people ever do is like, hey, you, you fornicated the other day. And you say that in front of 50 people, you're going to feel embarrassed. You're going to feel ashamed. You're going to feel all of these emotions. You're not even going to be thinking about the fact that you fornicated, but what you're now going to be thinking about is how embarrassed you are, how you dislike the person that called you out. You're not going to be thinking about correcting your behavior. However, what discipline says, the purpose of discipline is to provide you with some measurable consequences that are time sensitive to assist you in making a better decision. Discipline is is, is more difficult to administer. Discipline is precise. Discipline requires involvement and discipline requires consideration. All right. Good. That's a good point. Tiff. Tiffany says, I've learned how to avoid punishment, but need to do better at being disciplined. You're exactly right. We all can do better at being disciplined because here's the thing. Pastor Edward taught me this. He says, sometimes you got to assign a new meaning to things. So here's the meaning I assigned to discipline. Discipline, discipline allows me to be the best version of myself. And without discipline, I cannot be the best version of myself. Why? Because there are things about my life that I can't even see. There are things about my life that my pastor sees. There are things about my life that my kids... See, you can be disciplined by your kids. Aiden corrected me the other day about something I did. He's like, no, dad, that's not what we do. Why? Discipline is not uh, about who administers it. It's about receiving it from whoever sees that you're doing something contrary to the character of God. That's why when you assign a new meaning to discipline, discipline grows me up. It allows me to be the best version of myself. And so when I begin to administer discipline, it's about identifying the wrong behavior and teaching the new skills needed to manage that behavior, to solve the problem, and to deal with the uncomfortable emotions. And so if you got a kid who's always hitting the kid, Aiden, why are you hitting major? He made me mad. Okay. All right. Can somebody really make you mad, Aiden? No, daddy. You said they can't. Right. So you got mad and getting mad is okay. But what are you doing with that anger once you get mad? Right. So, okay. 
let's think, let's talk about that, Aiden, because I'm going to walk out what discipline looks for you, looks like for you. Let's talk about it. Okay, what made you mad? He was walking behind me through the house, Daddy. Okay, did you ask him to stop? No, I didn't. Well, how about starting with that next time? That's correcting, right? We're trying to end a behavior. Okay, you asked him to stop, he continued. Did you tell an adult? No, I didn't do that. Was an adult closed? No. Well, okay, you might have could have told one. All right. So what part made you mad? He just wouldn't stop, Daddy. So what could you have done next? And so we keep talking about solutions until we get a prop uh a solution that solves the problem and grows Aiden up so that he's not controlled by his emotions. People are controlled by their emotions because they lack discipline. It's not that people ain't taught you. Nobody makes you mad. Nobody makes you, and I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it now because it's a good example. Kirk Franklin's son didn't make him cuss him out. He didn't. Cuss was already in Kirk. You know, you don't just wake up and cuss like that. You, I mean, first of all, next off, no matter what anybody else does in your life, it doesn't take you outside of your character unless you choose to do it. Why? Because you lack discipline. So what church discipline is all about is helping us to begin to correct each other in a way that we all produce the best version of versions of ourselves, which is in essence, reproduce the best version of the kingdom so that people may understand that I'm not, it's not about calling you out. It's not about putting you on front. It's not about shaming you. But baby, what this is all about is helping you to become the best version of yourself. Discipline is about is about like the fire and the pressure that a diamond goes through in order to make it a diamond. It's not a diamond isn't produced overnight. It takes years of pressure and compactness and tightness, and it goes through a process. And when the process is over and you find the diamond, it's still not the thing that we see on a person's hand, right? It still has to be cut. It still has to be polished. And what discipline does is that it brings out the brilliance that we have been called to reflect, called the glory of God. So when I begin to be a person that allows my Myself to be disciplined. When I understand that the correctness, the, the discipline is correctness that allows me to properly reflect the glory of God in this earth, then now I assign a new meaning to it and I'm able to receive correction because I know it's just polishing me so I can reflect the character of God in this earth, right? So that's why we need discipline, right? That's why we need it. All right. And so, man, I got off these notes. Uh, <laughs> all right. So when we're talking about discipline, we, we, we are responsible for correcting and keeping each other. I'm my brother's keeper. I, I don't got time to go. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. You can run over there and you can read it for yourself. All right. All right. Uh, so we got to understand, and in Romans 14, it talks about, and I didn't print that thing. I meant to get that. In Romans 14, it talks about that we don't live unto ourselves, right? We don't live in isolation. So when I see my brother doing wrong, right? And, and, and we, I got a guy group I'm in. It's a couple of, it's, it's several guys in there. And, and we joke and we play. But at the same time, when one of us out of line, then we correct each other. 
and we understand and see the problem is many of us don't have people in our lives that we allow to correct us and but when you understand when you understand that correction is designed to polish you to be able to reflect the fullness of the glory of god in the, into this earth you understand that i need discipline i need to crave discipline actually i need to crave correction i need to look for it in every place i go a lot of my i work i oversee a couple hundred people across the state and and, and most of them if you ask them they can tell you when i go in there i'm like what can i do better i mean i mean I know I'm your supervisor, but how can I help you better? What what am I what are areas I need to improve on? I tell them if you see me doing something that's not right, then you can correct, correct me. Nobody's above correction. The pastor's not above correction. The 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 elders not above nobody's above correction. But at the same time, there's a way and there's a manner we need to do things. All right. And so uh the next topic was talking about the necessity of discipline. I think you guys understand the necessity of discipline. Discipline, uh, we talked about it, is basically designed to make order and happiness possible, right? Discipline introduces the principle of submission, which means that I assist to resist the will of the Father in my life. I cease to resist the will of the Father in my life. So what I say is, I will submit to the Lord. So really what I'm saying is, I am choosing among all the desires possible to choose the desire of pleasing God. I would love to move to this location. I would love to take this job. I would love to eat this food. I would love to buy this car. I would love to take this tithe and do something else with it, right? There's all of these desires that's among us, but when you say, I will, when you submit, you say, I cease to resist the will of the Father. So what I say is, I choose to succumb, I choose to submit, I choose to surrender, and I follow after God. Why? Because when I'm in discipline, there is harmony. When there's harmony, there's unison. When there's unison, there's alignment. And what do we know about alignment? When there's agreement, there's alignment, there will be what? Advancement. And so there is so through discipline, we're able to be aligned with the will of God so we may advance to the place that God wants us to be. All right. But when we operate in selfishness or self-will, we bring destruction and misery to our house. And so you got to understand that when you begin to ask Aiken about uh, his selfishness, right? I ask him, right? You don't get to run out and operate in selfishness and self-will and think that just like correction, or just like we don't live unto ourselves that our brother is our keeper, our brother has a right to correct us, our brother has a right to call us out, and, and there's a method to that. I go to my brother, uh, and I like if, if let's say uh, my brother said, let's say he was doing something crazy, right? I'm not going to call said out at the Miller FOC. I'm going to go, hey, said, hey, bro, hey, 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 look, just want to let you know, hey, man, I check it. What's up with this? Why, why are you doing that? I mean, like, I know the Lord to talk to you about that because here's the thing about the Lord. The Lord always talks to you first before he ever has anybody else get in your business. He always talks to you first. The Lord always talks to you first. 
He always gives you an opportunity to discipline yourself before he ever has a step, before anybody ever steps in. So at the point somebody else is in observation of your wrong, you have already had opportunities to fix it. But what, but what, what, what flesh says is, who are you to to tell me? Like, I mean, like, like what? Uh, now I use the Kurt Franklin thing again. What people like? Well, let the first, uh, let the first per, uh, person without sin cast a stone. Listen, we all have sin. If I cuss out Aiden or Major or Ava, I'm wrong. And so the thing is, it don't matter who do it, does it. It's wrong, right? And so it's not about casting the first, let the first person without seeing cast the first stone. It's about setting a standard. It's about who is your standard. Discipline is about the laws of God. And so as I'm a, as a disciplined person, the laws of his word become my standard for which I live. All right. So when we're disciplined, all right, it has a twofold purpose. Discipline is designed to bring restoration. Discipline is designed to bring restoration, all right? Listen. And I see some comments about uh, uh, that situ situation, Kurt. This, all our job as brothers is to let our other brother know that what they did is wrong. And then not to throw them under the bus, but then to begin to intercede on their behalf that they will know the heart of God concerning the situation, that, that, that they they will no longer operate in selfishness. They will no longer self-govern, but they'll succumb to, to the will and, and the ways of the Holy Spirit so they may represent God throughout the earth. Our job is not to criticize. Our job is not to talk about. Our job is not to put down. Our job is to restore. Discipline is about correction. All right. It's to uphold the moral standard of God's word. All right. So that's the purpose of discipline. And so it's about restoration. It is the correction of the error, not rejection of the person. So you don't got to reject. I don't throw away my kids when they do something wrong. Discipline is about correcting a behavior, not rejecting a person. And for so many of us, we have been punished because punished is rejection of a person. Punishment is shame of a person. Punishment is emotional abuse, all right? So that's what punishment is and, and many forms of how when it's presented. But discipline is about correction of the error where it's all about fixing behavior. Jesus coming to earth was part of discipline. Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us was part of discipline. It was all God's plan to correct and to restore. I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me, giving me the ability to be just like God so that I can be restored. Why? Because he had to correct Adam's misbehavior. And so through that, he corrected an error, but every day we got to do what? Choose to pick up our cross and follow God. Every day we got to crucify our flesh. Why? Because our flesh is always seeking to do what's outside the will of the Father. All right. Discipline is about 
uh, acceptance of the person with a view to restore them. So if you're going to a person and it is not your intent to seek restoration, it is not your intent to see them uh, reflect the glory of God, it's not your intent to see them grow up, then you are not going to discipline. You're not going to correct. You're going to punish. You're going to shame. You're going to ridicule. You're going to reject the person. And that is not what we do at FOC. We are all about accepting the person with a view to restore them. Now, one cannot be restored unless one accepts the person being restored. So we got to be able to accept those people. And here's what it takes to operate in discipline. It takes patience and it takes unconditional love. And total acceptance of the person is necessary, but not the evil behavior of the person. I can love the person and not like their behavior. That is possible. But a lot of times, if you're not careful, you'll reject discipline because you think that the correction is rejection of the person. No, baby, the correction is the correction of the behavior. Nobody's rejecting you. We're just trying to correct the behavior. It's all about looking just like God. So anything in our lives that don't look like God, we got to correct it. And it's corrected through discipline. The word of God disciplines us. That's why we meditate on the word both day and night so that we may observe to do according to all that's written therein so that we may make our way prosperous and that we may have good success. That is all about discipline. The word is his law. His law is his word. He is the word, right? So that is what it's about. And the word I love you means I will discipline you with the love of the father. I tell Aiden all the time, if I didn't love you, I'll let you run around here acting a fool. If I didn't love you, I'll just let you sit out that, sit in the living room and watch TV all day. If I didn't love you, I'll just let you eat all the snacks in the house. If I didn't love you, I'll let you talk to me any kind of way that you wanted to talk to me. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't email your teachers checking on you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't be checking your grades. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't do that. Why? Because love discipline. They're one and the same. And because I love my brothers, when I see them doing wrong, even if I don't feel like it, even if I don't want to, it is my job to help bring correction to their behavior. Now, listen, it's my job to let them know, but here it is. I can't override their will. But what I can do, I can pray for them. What I can do, I can't intercede for them. What I can do is get another brother and go to them and say, hey, look, man, we really need to talk about this. We really need to get this right. Why? Because that is the way of love. It says the word restore means to set to men as a dislocated bone, to completely and thoroughly mend. It is a wound to be healed. So anytime we got misbehavior, anytime we got anything that's contrary, you can picture that as a dislocated bone. And people don't come talk about a cast being punishment. You don't break your bone and like, oh Lord, they punishing me. They put a cast on me. No, you accept that cast because it's designed to do what? Correct what's been out of place. Discipline is a cast that's been designed to correct what's out of place. That's all discipline is. That's all discipline is. That is what discipline is.
And so when you refuse discipline after so long, um, and you go to 1 Corinthians 11, 29, you understand that if you just keep coming to the church and you keep doing things and you keep causing practically hell in the ministry, then there is a thing to call excommunication, right? I mean, if you just going to come and you're going to come and not be disciplined, you're going to come and you're going to have those spirits that we talked about, uh, Jezebel and Tor, those spirits that cause chaos and confusion, then you can't, you can't be up in FOC doing that. Why? That ain't what we tolerate. That ain't how we do life. That ain't what we expect from our partners. That ain't what the, men, the ministry leaders do. And that ain't what we're going to allow to be done. Wow. You, you got to do this. Hey, look, there's a lot of churches everywhere. We'll pray with you that you find the right place, but this may not be it for you. All right. And that's just the truth of it. It says in this Corinthian case of a man having an affair with the father's wife, excommunication led to the man to repentance and restoration. Look, here's the thing. You don't got <laughs> to check them at the door. Look, it's all about growing up. I mean, it, it's all about growing up. It's about growing up. Sometimes people think we call it tough love and things like that. But there's family members and friends that because they lack discipline in their life and you talk to them and you love them and you try to get them to do things right and you keep and all this stuff and they just won't ever do it. Then sometimes you got to excommunicate from them. You got to stop talking to them. You got to stop fooling around with them. Why? Because to keep them in the environment is toxic to the environment. And what do we know about the environment? It's always working on you. Right. And so you're not excommunicating. You're not talking to them because you don't ever want to have anything else to do with them. They just toxic and they're refusing to see their own ways and to be to, to receive correction, right? And so, but the moment that they begin to align with correction, the moment they begin to decrease the toxic, toxicity, then you receive them back with open arms. Why? Because it's always about restoration. It's always about restoration. It is always, say this, say discipline is always about restoration. It is always about restoration. All right, let's run over Matthew. Let's, uh, let's read this. It says, unless leadership deals with these errors, then the whole congregation can be defiled. So unless leadership takes authority, right? Unless the leadership does what they need to do, then the whole congregation can be defiled. That's why I was talking about the toxicity. It says no church can prosper if it allows sin to go unjudged. The Lord will withdraw his blessings. In Matthew 18 verses 15 through 19, it states this, if your brother or sister go and point out their, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But at verse 16, but if they will not listen, take one or two others alone so that so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in their name, there am I with them. We've quote verse 20, 19 all the time. 
but we don't always talk about the beginning part. Let's talk about correction. Let's talk about discipline, right? And so it gives us the method to ensure discipline takes place in a proper way. I go to my brother. I go to, I use the said, for example, because he don't care. I go to said. Said ain't listen. I call up Kev. Kev, listen. We got to talk to said. Kev may say about what? I'm not trying to gossip, but here's the facts. Said, I got Kev on the line. All right. Feel Kev in on what you're doing. Kev knows. Let's talk. Kev, like, all right, we talking about it now, said. You know this ain't right, blah, blah, blah. This is what the word says. What do you need from us to help you hold you accountable to live in the life you need? Because once again, it's about love. It's not about rejecting the person. It's about changing the behavior. And that's why I said discipline takes more time. Discipline takes more energy. Discipline is strategic. Discipline is about restoration. Discipline is about making sure that we put in the processes and the steps needed to tear down the wrong way of thinking while by simultaneously building up the right way of thinking, all right? And so we help our brother walk through so that he is restored. That's what it looks like. Now, if that doesn't work, it says go before the church, right? And so it, it tells us the process for doing that, all right? And there, and one, and like I said, we're, we're going to post all these note, notes for you. But the other reason that you have to do that, sin is very contagious, uh, and so you got to make sure that the spiritual health of the body uh, is priority. And so you got to make sure that you just don't let people run around doing any type of thing. There is a standard and it is the word of God. It ain't what FOC calls a standard. It ain't what your friends call the standard. It ain't even the standard your parents set, right? Because uh, the amount of people that, that was okay with, with uh with the behavior of uh, uh and we're just going to use kurt for example uh franklin for an example it showed us that though we are christian that god isn't always our standard uh because if god is your standard you can't agree with that you don't gotta bash kurt i ain't bashing kurt with i may not have cussed aiden or so before but i've responded out of anger before and that's the same sin and the same wrong as kurt did so i ain't no better than kurt so i ain't saying that bashing kurt i am just saying that our standard has to be god and the standard for this house is the word of god the standard for this house is the word of God. It's nobody's opinion. It's the word of God. And so what we all have to do is to live up to that standard. And how do we become our best? We become our best through discipline. It ain't a matter if you ever going to be corrected, baby. It's going to be a matter of when. It's, it's a matter of how often. It's a matter of frequency. It's not a matter of uh, if. It's a matter of frequency. You're going to be correct, corrected. But the more self-discipline you do, the less discipline you got to receive from other people. I will say that. Like, um, I was a teacher. Uh, and I have 30 kids, 20, 25 to 30 kids in my class. It was kids in my class who, and the rules were the same for everybody. But it was kids that would come into class. They would mind their business. They would do what they were supposed to do. They would do what we call self-discipline. They will submit their will 
to my will because I was Lord over that classroom. They would submit their will to my will. And because they did that, it was very, very few times that they had to be corrected, right? But then you had that, that few that would come in and that they didn't want to submit their will to my will. They wanted their will to override my will, but they didn't understand that I was Lord of the classroom. I was teacher. I was head in charge. So what I had to do, I had to correct them. And so what, what, what the correction looked like was changing of the behavior, right? And so that's what life is all about. That's what church discipline is all about. It's about discipline to correction so that you may have perfection and you're representing the glory of God. Correction brings about perfection. That's what it does. Correction brings about perfection. All right. And so as we wrap up tonight, because I took eight minutes in the uh, announcements. So as we wrap up, let's talk about who administers discipline. The leadership which you've been placed under, you go to Hebrews 13 and 7, the leadership you've been placed under administers discipline, right? So we're talking about church issues and things like that. Then the, the, the discipline, uh, that's who's going to administer that. That's who's going to do that, all right? But if I'm just talking about me and my brother say it and I see him going around doing something. And I just said, ain't I doing crazy? All right. Says just my example, who I know won't get offended with me using an example as an example. That's something that as a brother, I, he's he's my, I'm my brother's keeper. So I, I look out for him. I talk to him about. And so some of us like to say that I'm just going to mind my own business and you don't like other people in your business. But baby, look, as a born again believer, you joined a family. And as part of the family, then it's your right for people to be in your business. Just so you know, it, they have a right to be in your business. The Holy Spirit is in your business. And the only reason the Holy Spirit is telling other people about your business is because you didn't handle your business for yourself. All right. Who administers leadership, uh, discipline? The leadership. All right. It says, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your what? Souls. Oh, that's good. You got to understand. They watch for your what? Your souls. So they're watching out for your mind. They're watching out for your will. They're watching out for your imagination. They're watching out for your intellect. All right. They're watching out for your emotions. Obey them, the pastors, the elders that have rule over you and submit yourselves for they are watching out for your soul that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For if they do watch over you with grief, that is unprofitable for you. When you cause hell in the church, you make it unprofitable for yourself. Selah. See, see, you, when you're disobedient, you're causing issues for yourself. You're making a man and woman of God's job more difficult. And when their job's more difficult, then you're bringing things on yourself that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Why? It is our job to operate in discipline. It's our job to submit ourselves. So, because why? Our pastors are watching over our our souls, I mean, I don't think y'all understand that. 
Their job is to help you have peace in your mind. Their job is to help you have joy. Their job is to help you manifest the dreams that's on the inside of your heart. Their job is to help you through correction, achieve perfection, to represent the manifested glory of God, to represent heaven inside of earth. That is their job. And when we make their jobs hard, we bring them grief. And that's unprofitable for us. Why? Because when we bring them grief, they don't have the ability to watch over our mind. And when you don't got people watching over your mind and you won't do it yourself, then your mind now becomes one that is subject to, that is submitted to, that is surrendered to the God of this earth being Satan, and now you're subject to all that butt whooping. Now you're subject to punishment when you could have had correction. Go ahead and type that as, as we get to wrap up. Say, I choose correction over punishment. Because by default, if you do not choose correction, by default, you're choosing punishment. Yeah. If you don't choose correction, by default, you choose a punishment. You are going, you're choosing punishment. It says, these men, I'm finishing up the scripture, these men were chosen by God and chosen to rule over his people, exercising divine government in their midst, were representatives of God, delegated authority, hereby defining them the term theocracy, right? And we talked about that with church authority. There's layers, there's government in church, okay? Pastor Evan, Pastor Sean, they got spiritual parents, you know? Uh, there, there's level. They got past. I mean, they got pastors. So, so everybody. It where it may not be my job. Now, I've been with Pastor Edwin long enough, and so, and I, I'm going to say this this way because I, I could probably talk to Pastor Edwin about something, uh, and, and that that's okay because there's layers to friendship relationships, right? But, but everybody can't just run up on everybody talking to everybody thinking that's how it works. No, that's just not that's just not quite how things work. Uh, because though I'm receptive from everybody, then, but Pastor Edwin, uh, when, when I would talk to him about something, let's say he was doing something, then I may talk to him on a slide, uh, like, hey, dad, blah, 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 or whatever, and see how I receive it. And then me and Seth may go talk to him, you know what I'm saying? But but at the same time, so many people, they don't want to follow any, they don't want to follow protocol per se when it comes to doing things. They just want to call people out. You want to get on Facebook and bash folks, right? You know that pastor ain't no good. You know, you know, I saw him such why? Because it's not about correction. It's not about restoration. They're about embarrassment. They're about punishment. They're about that. And so, so so when people throw away, and I always come back to this because I think it's important. When people throw away their man and woman of God because they make a mistake, 
a lot of times they'll put more faith in that person than they have God. They made the pastor God. Our pastors are humans. They make mistakes. They're not above. They they have human. They have a human aspect to their life. They're 100% human, just like we are. They got the angel of the Holy Spirit, just like we are. And we don't throw anybody away in FOC, including our man and woman of God. It is all about restoration. It is all about restoration. And no matter your position, you are not above restoration. Pastor Evans said, you can come. Just come correct. I'm just saying here, because I, I, I want to make sure that I'm clear on this. There is a way to do things. And a lot of times people suffer church hurt because things just weren't done the right way. It wasn't a, it wasn't the fact that somebody said something. It wasn't even the fact the person, when you do wrong and you're a believer, you know you're doing wrong. So the fact somebody telling you that you're doing wrong, that ain't no surprise, baby. That ain't no surprise to you. Stop lying. That ain't no surprise. When you, as a believer, and as a believer, as a child of God, if you are doing wrong, you know you're doing wrong. So when somebody comes and tells you about the wrong you're doing, that ain't the first time you heard it. You knew it when you did it, and you knew it when the Holy Spirit told you about doing it, right? So us coming to you was really the third person in the situation. So, so when you go to people, and it's and I and I've done it a couple of times. It's just like, look, hey, I'm about to say something. Uh, it's uncomfortable for me, but I, I want to tell you about this. And so are you open to receive what I'm about to say to you? Uh, and it's like, look, I, I saw what you did. And, and bro, that that ain't that ain't it. That 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 is not the character of God. All right. And and, and it's our job to always represent the character of God, especially for your family. Uh, and so what I so so I'm not sure what got you to that point. What did get you to that point? Help me understand. Walk through with me how you got to the point you said whatever you said. And we talk about it, right? Or you did whatever you did. Okay, cool. Did you see any ways before you did what you did that you could have changed that, right? Did you see Did you see any exits? Because the Bible tells us that God will not allow us to be tempted more than we are able to bear, and that for every temptation, that for every temptation, He will give us a way of escape, right? So, so there's always a way of escape. There's always a way not to cut somebody out. There's always a way not to fall up in somebody's bed and have sex. There's always a way not to get drunk. There's always a way not to take the job that God told you not to take or move to the place that God told you not to move to. There's always a way because the Bible tells us that that's the truth. And so you talk to them. You try to help them see their ways. Why? Because discipline is about what? Correction. And so it's not about punishment. It's not about embarrassment. It's like, yeah, bro, you know what? I saw it and I, I, I should have just called somebody and talked to them on Tuesday before I, I cussed my wife out on, on Thursday. You're like, right. So next time, man, when you feel yourself getting to that point, you know, call somebody. I mean, we all have our moments, but what you've been doing is holding all this emotion in, not talking to anybody about the issue that you have with your wife, and then you don't went off on your wife, and that's not the character of God. I don't care if what she is doing is wrong. It does not. Somebody else's 
disobedience, somebody else's lack of respect does not give us the right to disrespect them. Because some people are talking about, well, shouldn't children obey their parents and the Lord for this is right? Yes, but a child's dishonor does not give us the right to dishonor our children by talking to them crazy. And so that's what correction is about. And that's kind of a process or an example of what we go through. All right, bro. All right, cool. You're going to call me. So if you and your, you have issues in your marriage or whatever's going on and you feel yourself getting upset and you don't feel like you can talk to your wife, just call me. We, we can hash it out. All right. And then that way you don't get to the point where you feel like you're going to blow up. You're like, all right, bro. Cool. I can do that. And then as a good brother, as my brother's keeper, I don't just wait for him to call me. A couple weeks after, I'm sending texts. Bro, you good? Like, like, for real, you good? Like, how you feeling? How are you emotionally? How, how's your mindset? Did y'all work through that issue? Why? It's all about building brick by brick till we're fully restored. That's what discipline is all about. That's what we do at FOC. So at FOC, you don't got to be afraid of discipline. At FOC, discipline is about correction unto perfection so that I may exemplify the glory of God in its fullness so that people may see my life and want to know the God I serve. That's what it's all about. That's what it's about. So that's... Uh, Pastor, I'm forgiving. I went five minutes over. Uh, we're trying to keep everything to an hour. I know you don't mind. But that's what it's about, guys. And so I just, I, I hope I made this plain enough for you. I hope the examples were were uh, were good enough for you that, that you understand. Discipline isn't bad. And I hope as a parent, though, as a parent, especially over the things that we have heard and seen on Facebook uh, these over the last week, I hope you judge your own character concerning discipline with your family. Because here's the thing, as your family goes, so will the church. If all we got is a bunch of parents that are punishing their kids at home, and then how are they going to grow up to be people? You can't be a person who knows how to discipline if you've never been disciplined. You can't discipline somebody. You can't give to somebody something you ain't received yourself. So if I've never received discipline, if all I've ever received is punishment, guess what I'm going to administer to the people around me? It's punishment. So even in our families, and that's why I guess I'm so, I'm so passionate about this, even in our families, we got to do a better job of administering correction because we can't raise up a generation of kids that all they know is punishment because all they're going to do is begin to just keep on punishing and nobody ever grows up. Nobody ever learns to think for themselves. Everybody's only ever afraid and it is the fear that drives them to a line. It's like, I think it was a, a Paslov, Paslov, uh, he did the experiment with the dogs. He'll bring a treat. He'll blow a whistle. He'll give the dog a treat. He'll blow a whistle. He'll give the dog a treat. He'll blow a whistle. He'll give the dog a treat. And me, and every time it got to the point that when he'll blow the whistles, the dogs begin all of automatically salivating uh, or slobbering or whatever you want to call it because they had conditioned themselves that the bell, on the sound of the bell, that's what happened. And because we are punished so long that even at the sign of punishment, 
even at the sign of anything that looks like punishment, our children, our, our sisters, our brothers, even our parents, even us, we begin to recoil into these shells because all we have known is punishment. And punishment brings fear. It brings shame. It brings emotional abuse. And there's so many things that it, it, it brings with it. But when you begin to correct, it begins to build people up. It begins to restore them. And so it's hard sometimes taking that extra moment. I know you could just pop them on the side of the arm real quick. I know you can just pop them on their leg real I'm talking to the parents right now. I, I'll cut this, I'll splice this dad so it's just a partnership stuff. I'm talking to my parents right now. I know it's easy that you, we've been in the house together. We ain't been going on vacations. You can't do everything you wanna do that once allowed you to do the self-care routines. That may have been routine, but baby, don't let your impatience cause you begin to be a person who punishes your kids, who punishes your spouse because you won't take the time out. Sometimes you just got to walk away. You just got to walk away. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what? What he did ain't right, but I'm not even in the right space to deal with it. If I deal with it at the moment, I'm going to do something that results in punishment. Why? Because the same behavior you're trying to correct in your kid, you're doing it. You mad at your kid because your kid uh, lashed out at somebody. And now that the fact that you found that your kid lashed out at somebody, they are seeing the same thing from you. And now and then you're going to be uh, you're going to you're going to I'm going to use this word. Mother, I apologize. You're going to be pissed off at your kid for calling you out on the same behavior that you are that you are exemplifying that they're getting in trouble for. Yeah, hey, yeah, I, your kid lashed out, but now you're doing the same exact thing. Where does it end? Who's the adult? Who's gonna grow up and say, you know what? Enough is enough. Enough is enough. God, and a lot of times as parents, you grow impatience with your kids because you ain't spending enough time in the word. Let's just be honest. You grow impatient with your spouse because you ain't spending enough time in the word. You, a lot of times, if you spend enough time in the word, you'll be okay. If you spend enough time doing self-care, I mean, everybody got enough time to spend five minutes, turn your phone off, turn everything off, and just take five minutes for you. No matter how busy you are, you got time for that. And because you take that time out, then it helps you go for that walk. Do what you need to do to maintain your own sanity so that we can grow up this next generation, being a generation of people that correct each other, that they ain't punishing each other, being bullies of each other, that they see kids at school and they and they ain't trying to bully and cause shame, that they're trying to teach them the right, right ways to do things. Why? Because that is the character of God. No matter where you find yourself, in a school setting, on a job, at the park, no matter, the love of God is all about correction unto restoration, unto perfection. And so that's what what happened when we began to do it at the house consistently, not only with our kids, with our spouses, because you be punishing your spouse. And, and, and I ain't going to get into that tonight, but you do. The things that you do, the things that you say, that, that ain't, that's punishment. A grown person. So y'all be blessed. But, and y'all pray, God... 
Reveal to me the areas in my life where I'm operating in punishment, where I should be operating in discipline. And also, Father, help me to see the, 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 the positive impact of discipline. Help me to see that. Wow. Discipline brings correction unto perfection so that I can exemplify the character of God in all of the earth. All right. So you guys, let me, if you guys, if you're a partner of the ministry, you know uh, the, the ways to give online, give the five, push pay, tidally, text to give. You're a partner. You guys sow. Make sure that you're sowing. Make sure you're giving your offering. Some of y'all have got your stimmy, you know, your 1400 uh, or, or more than that. If you got kids, go ahead. Make sure you're sowing seed, man. Uh, don't just go out and buy big TVs and all that other stuff. It's okay to save some money. It's definitely okay to sow seed. It's okay to bless somebody else. Do those things, right? Uh, it's okay to bless yourself. Uh, it's okay to buy some stuff. But I'm saying, make sure that you're sowing. And as, you, as we go through the year and that we continue to harvest, continual harvest requires continuous seed. So make sure that you're uh, giving. Give a five, push, pay, tithe to give, uh, and text to give. And then join us tomorrow. If you have a team, join us for Ignite at focchurch.com. And then Friday morning, join us for 630 prayer. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. And as always, at Fellowship of Channels, we are a church teaching you how to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every area of life. You guys be blessed. Remain grateful.